This is day 18 of our daily Bible reading. Today we're going to go through Exodus chapters 36 through 40. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we enter into your word, Lord, that we would approach it with the respect and the reverence that you demand from us. Lord, that knowing that this is your word, your word of truth, your word of life, your word of your standards and your holiness, Lord, that we may approach you today in a manner worthy of, of you, knowing that you are the Lord God of all creation, the creator of the universe. And with that proper mindset, that we would enter into your presence and, and seek your wisdom today. Please teach us as we venture through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Bezalel and Aholiab and every skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary shall perform in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him, to come to the Lord and perform the work. They received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction of the sanctuary. And they still continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. And all the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work which he was performing. And they said to Moses, The people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command, and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp, saying, Let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more. For the material they had was sufficient, and more than enough for all the work to perform it. All the skillful men among those who were performing the work made the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet material with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. Bezalel made them. The length of each curtain was 28 cubits and the width of each curtain 4 cubits. All the curtains had the same measurements. He joined five curtains to one another, and the other five curtains he joined to one another. He made loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. He did likewise on the edge of the curtain that was outermost in the second set. He made 50 loops in the one curtain, and he made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that was in the second set. The loops were opposite each other. He made fifty clasps of gold and joined the curtains to one another with the clasps, so the tabernacle was a unit. Then he made curtains of goat's hair for a tent over the tabernacle. He made eleven curtains in all. The length of each curtain was thirty cubits and four cubits the width of each curtain. The eleven curtains had the same measurements. He joined five curtains by themselves and the other six curtains by themselves. 
Moreover, he made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that was outermost in the first set, and he made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that was outermost in the second set. He made 50 clasps of bronze to join the tent together so that it would be a unit. He made a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red, and a covering of porpoise skins above. Then he made the boards for the tabernacle of acacia wood, standing upright. Ten cubits was the length of each board, and one and a half cubits the width of each board. There were two tenons for each board, fitted to one another. Thus he did for all the boards of the tabernacle. He made the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards for the south side, and he made forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards two sockets under one board for its two tenons, and two sockets under another board for its two tenons. Then for the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, he made twenty boards, and there forty sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. For the rear of the tabernacle to the west, he made six boards, he made two boards for the corners of the tabernacle at the rear. They were double beneath, and together they were complete to its top into the first ring. Thus he did with both of them for the two corners. There were eight boards with their sockets of silver, sixteen sockets, two under every board. Then he made bars of acacia wood, five for the boards of one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the tabernacle for the rear side to the west. He made the middle bar to pass through in the center of the boards from end to end. He overlaid the boards with gold, and made their rings of gold as holders for the bars, and overlaid the bars with gold. Moreover, he made the veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. He made it with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. He made four pillars of acacia for it and overlaid them with gold and their hooks of gold, and he cast four sockets of silver for them. He made a screen for the doorway of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen, the work of a weaver. And he made its five pillars with their hooks, and he overlaid their tops and their bands with gold, but their five sockets were of bronze. Now Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood. Its length was two and a half cubits, and its width one and a half cubits, and its height one and a half cubits and he overlaid it with pure gold inside and out, and made a gold molding for it all around. He cast four rings of gold for it on its four feet, even two rings on one side of it, and two rings on the other side of it. He made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. He made a mercy seat of pure gold, 
two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. He made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub at the one end and one cherub at the other end. He made the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat at the two ends. The cherubim had their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces toward each other. The faces of the cherubim were toward the mercy seat. Then he made the table of acacia wood, two cubits long and a cubit wide and one and a half cubits high. He overlaid it with pure gold and made a gold molding for it all around. He made a rim for it of a handbreadth all around and made a gold molding for its rim all around. He cast four gold rings for it and put the rings of the four corners that were on its four feet. Close by the rim were the rings, the holders for the poles to carry the table. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold to carry the table. He made the utensils which were on the table, its dishes and its pans and its bowls and its jars, with which to pour out drink offerings of pure gold. Then he made the lampstand of pure gold. He made the lampstand of hammered work, its base and its shaft, its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers were of one piece with it. There were six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand for the one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand for the other side of it. Three cups shaped like almond blossoms, a bulb and a flower in one branch, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms, a bulb and a flower in the other branch. So for the six branches going out of the lampstand. In the lampstand, there were four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers, and a bulb was under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it, for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. Their bulbs and their branches were of one piece with it. The whole of it was a single hammered work of pure gold. He made its seven lamps with its snuffers and its trays of pure gold. He made it and all its utensils from a talent of pure gold. Then he made the altar of incense on acacia wood, a cubit long and a cubit wide, square, and two cubits high. Its horns were of one piece with it. He overlaid it with pure gold, its top and its sides all around, and its horns, and he made a gold molding for it all around. He made two golden rings for it under its molding, on its two sides, on opposite sides, as holders for poles with which to carry it. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold and he made the holy anointing oil and the pure, fragrant incense of spices, the work of a perfumer. 
Then he made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide, square, and three cubits high. He made its horns on its four corners, its horns being of one piece with it, and he overlaid it with bronze. He made all the utensils of the altar, the pails and the shovels and the basins, the flesh hooks and the fire pans. He made all its utensils of bronze. He made for the altar a grating of bronze network beneath, under its ledge, reaching halfway up. He cast four rings on the four ends of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. He inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to carry it. He made it hollow with planks. Moreover, he made the laver of bronze with its base of bronze from the mirrors of the serving women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Then he made the court. For the south side, the hangings of the court were of fine twisted linen, one hundred cubits. There are twenty pillars, and there are twenty sockets, made of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver. For the north side, there were one hundred cubits. Their twenty pillars and their twenty sockets were of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver. For the west side, there were hangings of fifty cubits with their ten pillars and their ten sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were of silver. For the east side, fifty cubits. The hangings for the one side of the gate were fifteen cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets, and so for the other side. On both sides of the gate of the court were hangings of fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and their three sockets. All the hangings of the court all around were of fine twisted linen. The sockets for the pillars were of bronze, the hooks of the pillars and their bands of silver, and the overlaying of their tops of silver, and all the pillars of the court were furnished with silver bands. The screen of the gate of the court was a work of a weaver, of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen, and the length was twenty cubits, and the height was five cubits, corresponding to the hangings of the court. Their four pillars and their four sockets were of bronze, their hooks were of silver, and the overlaying of their tops and their bands were of silver. All the pegs of the tabernacle and of the court all around were of bronze. This is the number of the things for the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony. As they were numbered, according to the command of Moses, for the service of the Levites, by the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Now Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord had commanded Moses. With him was Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, 
of the tribe of Dan, an engraver, and a skillful workman, and a weaver in blue and in purple and in scarlet material and fine linen. All the gold that was used for the work, and all the work of the sanctuary, even the gold of the wave offering, was twenty-nine talents and seven hundred and thirty shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The silver of those of the congregation who were numbered was one hundred talents and one thousand seven hundred seventy-five shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A becca ahead, that is, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. For each one who passed over to those who were numbered, from twenty years old and upward, for six hundred and three thousand five hundred and fifty men. The hundred talents of silver were for casting the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil, one hundred sockets for the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. Of the one thousand seven hundred and seventy-five shekels, he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their tops and made bands for them. The bronze of the wave offering was seventy talents and two thousand four hundred shekels. With it he made the sockets of the doorway of the tent of meeting, and the bronze altar and its bronze grating, and all the utensils of the altar, and the sockets of the court all around, and the sockets of the gate of the court, and all the pegs of the tabernacle, and all the pegs of the court all around. Moreover, from the blue and purple and scarlet material, they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place, as well as the holy garments which were for Aaron, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the ephod of gold and of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. Then they hammered out gold sheets and cut them into threads to be woven in with the blue and the purple and the scarlet material, and the fine linen, the work of a skillful workman. They made attaching shoulder pieces for the ephod. It was attached at its two upper ends. The skillfully woven band which was on it was like its worksmanship, of the same material of gold, and of blue, and purple, and scarlet material, and fine twisted linen, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the onyx stones, set in gold filigree settings. They were engraved like the engravings of a signet, according to the names of the sons of Israel. And he placed them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod, as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the breastpiece, the work of a skillful workman, like the workmanship of the ephod, of gold and of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It was square. They made the breastpiece folded double, a span long and a span wide, when folded double. Then they mounted four rows of stones on it. The first row was a row of ruby, 
topaz, and emerald. In the second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They were set in gold filigree settings when they were mounted. The stones were corresponding to the names of the sons of Israel. They were twelve, corresponding to their names, engraved with the engravings of a signet, each with its name for the twelve tribes. They made on the breastpiece chains like cords of twisted cordage in pure gold. They made two gold filigree settings and two gold rings, then put the two rings on the two ends of the breastpiece. Then they put the two gold cords in the two rings at the ends of the breastpiece. They put the other two ends of the two cords on the two filigree settings and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front of it. They made two gold rings and placed them on the two ends of the breastpiece, on its inner edge, which was next to the ephod. Furthermore, they made two gold rings and placed them on the bottom of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod, on the front of it, close to the place where it was joined, above the woven band of the ephod. They bound the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord, so that it would be on the woven band of the ephod, and that the breastpiece would not come loose from the ephod, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he made the robe of the ephod of woven work, all of blue, and the opening of the robe was at the top in the center, as the opening of a coat of mail, with the binding all around its opening, so that it would not be torn. They made pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet material and twisted linen on the hem of the robe. They also made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates all around on the hem of the robe, alternating a bell and a pomegranate all around on the hem of the robe for the service, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the tunics of finely woven linen for Aaron and his sons, and the turban of fine linen, and the decorated caps of fine linen, and the linen breeches of fine twisted linen, and the sash of fine twisted linen, and blue and purple and scarlet material, the work of a weaver, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, and inscribed it like the engraving of a signet, Holy to the Lord. They fastened a blue cord to it, to fasten it on the turban above, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus all the work of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting was completed. And the sons of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. They brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent, and all its furnishings, its clasps, its boards, its bars, 
and its pillars and its sockets. And the covering of ram skins dyed red, and the covering of porpoise skins, and the screening veil, the ark of the testimony and its poles, and the mercy seat, the table, all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand, with its arrangement of lamps and all its utensils, and the oil for the light, and the gold altar, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the veil for the doorway of the tent, the bronze altar and its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the laver and its stand, the hangings for the court, its pillars and its sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, its cords and its pegs, and all the equipment for the service of the tabernacle for the tent of meeting, the woven garments for ministering in the holy place, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. So the sons of Israel did all the work according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And Moses examined all the work, and behold, they had done it. Just as the Lord had commanded, this they had done. So Moses blessed them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall place the ark of the testimony there, and you shall screen the ark with the veil. You shall bring in the table and arrange what belongs on it, and you shall bring to the lampstand a mount and mount its lamps. Moreover, you shall set the gold altar of incense before the ark of the testimony, and set up the veil for the doorway to the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering in front of the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall set the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the veil for the doorway of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and shall consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and consecrate the altar, and the altar shall be most holy. You shall anoint the labor and its stand, and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him, that he may minister as a priest to me. You shall bring his sons and put tunics on them, and you shall anoint them even as you have anointed their father, that they may minister as priests to me and their anointing will qualify them for a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. Thus Moses did, according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. Now in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle and laid its sockets, and set up its boards, 
and inserted its bars and erected its pillars. He spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he took the testimony and put it into the ark and attached the poles to the ark and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. He brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up a veil for the screen and screened off the ark of the testimony, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. He set the arrangement of bread in order on it before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle. He lighted the lamps before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the veil, and he burned fragrant incense on it, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he set up the veil for the doorway of the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering before the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the meal offering, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He placed the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. From it, Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they entered the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He erected the court all around the tabernacle and the altar, and hung up the veil for the gateway of the court. Thus Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not go out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel. All right, congratulations. We finished the book of Exodus today. So a lot of this doesn't need to be rehashed because more than half of this was just a retelling of what we talked about yesterday, of all the instructions that were given to Moses and his team on how to build and construct all these things with you know, pinpoint precision, exactly as designed. And that's exactly what they did. As we'll see, they completed everything. It was to God's pleasing. So it was exactly as they were told to do. Excellent. Very excellent. Did you see how much material it took to build all this stuff? 
at the end of chapter 38, it says how much gold, silver, and bronze was used for all of this. And it's a lot of, that's a lot of metal. So let's, let's analyze this a little bit. How much is a talent? Okay, so we know this about Moses. Moses was raised as an Egyptian. And so the standard of talent in the Egyptian talent is a little bit different from the talent you would see in, say, Jesus's day. So in this time period, a talent was equal to about 60 pounds or 28 kilograms, more or less. And so you're talking about 60 pounds times 29. So you're talking about, you know, several, over a thousand pounds of gold used for all of this. And then you have also mentioned shekels. How much is a shekel? The actual word shekel is the Hebrew word for weight, believe it or not. I didn't know that until I looked it up. Um, but the, the Hebrew shekel is a little bit less than half an ounce. Half an ounce, not half a pound, but half an ounce. And so this is, it's not that much, but they weigh things like smaller objects. They weigh them in shekels. And so you can imagine that, you can imagine bars or blocks of gold being in the talents, but then the things that you'd make jewelry with or the filigree with, so on and so forth, chains, those would all be with the shekel amounts. Then you see for silver, 100 talents of silver. You're talking about three literal tons of silver here. That's a lot of silver. And you would see how much they used of the bronze as well, 70 talents of bronze. So this was a lot of material. And you saw that at the very beginning of our reading that the people of Israel freely gave it for this construction project. And so that's that's a good posture of heart for them to have, just to give freely, just as we should as well. In the service of the Lord, we should give freely of the resources and the finances that he's given us. And that's how a lot of people have trouble with that, you know, simply because they think, well, how am I going to make ends meet? Or, hey, it's my money. I earned it. I should be able to do what I want with it. Well, actually, that's not correct. Everything we have is a gift of God, including our finances, our resources, our homes, our vehicles, all the furniture we have, all the fun things we have in our house. All of those are gifts from God. And we should not hold back anything that we have for those who are in need. We should certainly be wise with our money as well, but we should, if we know of somebody who's in need, we should not withhold. Because then if we have doubts or we get a little possessive with our materials, then first of all, it's greed. That's a pride issue. That needs to be addressed and, and repented about. But secondly is we underestimate God's ability to provide. He can make anything happen for us. And so if we restrict his ability to control our finances, then we are doing God a major disservice. So we should just trust God with everything and let him worry about the results. But just we act in obedience.
Now, I thought there was something very interesting as well about the way, especially when you get to chapters 39 and 40, almost every paragraph ends with the same statement. Did you notice that? It ends with the same statement. They made this, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made this, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made this, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and so on and so forth. Why is that important? Why is that repeated? Learn this about the Bible. Okay, vital importance. Anytime the Bible repeats itself for any reason, it is for a very good reason. What is important about this being repeated? Just as the Lord commanded Moses. Everything that Moses did was in complete obedience to God. You don't see one thing in here that was made that doesn't say that. Everything was made exactly as God prescribed. There was not a time where Moses got creative license and started making his own thing. There wasn't a time where Moses thought he had a better idea, and so he made things a little different. There wasn't a time where he refused to make something because he thought he had a better idea. Everything that he did was exactly in obedience to God, and that is a challenge for us today. Is everything we do for the glory of God? Because the New Testament is very clear about that. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And Moses did that. There's no time where he went off track, did his own thing, refused to do it. He obeyed God in everything, even though it probably didn't make any sense to him or seemed like a big task. He still did it. And the Lord blessed him through this, as well as the people of Israel, for their obedience. So this is certainly something that we need to take away as we go into the future books of the Bible, is that he did exactly what God told him to do. And we should be challenged the same way. We should be doing exactly what God is telling us to do in our lives, whether he's given you active instructions or not. Because if... Again, why are we here? We are here to be equipped, right? This is boot camp. This is your training grounds as a Christian. There will be times in the Christian military, so to speak, where your commanding officer is not giving you active orders. Right? There will be times where there are, there are no battles to fight. There are no missions to complete. So in the middle of those things, what are we supposed to be doing? We already have standing orders from our commanding officer, the Lord God. And that's in his word. He's already told us what to do. He's given us commandments. He's given us precepts and testimonies, these things that we have to obey. And while we're waiting to be used, we have to be ready. And we have to be doing the things that we're supposed to be doing while we wait. And even while we're active, we should be doing those while we're active as well. This is training. A military man does not just sit around on his rear end until the war comes. He is constantly training. He is gaining battle experience. 
honing his skills in weaponry and in combat and tactics. And this is exactly the same thing that we're doing. We're in a spiritual war. It may not seem like it sometimes, but we are in a spiritual war. It is all around us. It is raging right now. If you're not noticing that, you need to pay attention. It is a roaring battle right now. Heavy conflict. There are so many assaults on Christianity and on goodness in this world right now. And we have to be ready. And so we should definitely take after Moses here and do exactly what the Lord has commanded us in his word. Even if he's not speaking to you personally, he's spoken to all believers already on what is expected of us. And we need to learn what that is by studying his word and spending time in prayer. Prayer is the best weapon you have in this war. If we're not praying, we're not going to be effective in anything. It requires prayer. It requires dedication. It requires studying the word. It is all necessary. You can't have one without the other. It is the complete picture. So I encourage you, take the time to pray. Spend time in prayer. Make the time to pray. Make the time to study his word and take it seriously. This is not about religion. Religion is useless if there's no relationship with God himself. So we need to take this very seriously and have the right proper perspective. But anyway, that is all that uh, we wanted to cover for today, except for one last thing at the very end. They also acted in obedience when the tabernacle was complete. Did you notice how at the very end of all the construction, then there was something that happened here. Once they completed the tabernacle, the glory of the Lord filled the tent. Not even Moses could go in there. That's how much of God's glory was manifest there. God was with them. And God is with us today. He sent his son, like the book of Isaiah says, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, right? And in this case, God was with the Israelites. His presence was there in the tabernacle. That was his temporary dwelling with the people of Israel at that time until the temple was built in Solomon's day. And it said that throughout their journeys, whenever the cloud went up out of the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not move. They were guided by God. God told them where to go, when to go, how to go. And they followed the Lord. And how beautiful is that? Are we following the Lord? Are we going where he leads us? Are we asking him to lead us? And I think that's where a lot of us don't start, is the asking. It's kind of like what James says, is you do not have because you do not ask. Are we asking the Lord to join us? Are we inviting him in our everyday activities? Are we seeking his guidance in our lives? If we're not doing that, then we're trusting in ourselves, and that's dangerous, because we are not anyone to be trusted. <laughs> I don't trust myself, because every time I trust myself, I fail. 
time and time again. So I challenge you. The Lord is your guide. The Word of God is your guide. And we need to be using this in order to do what is pleasing in His sight, as well as to make sure that we are going down the right path. Let God guide you today. What do we know about the Lord? He does everything perfectly. He does everything for our good. And he does everything for his glory. And it can all be done at the same time. So if we believe that God does everything for our good, regardless of circumstances, we should be thankful. I know that's hard to say in hard times when things are miserable and you're in pain or you're depressed or things like that, that things are under God's control and that he does it for our good. But why are you there? Why are you in that situation? Perhaps he's trying to teach you something. Perhaps he's trying to get you to understand the reality of your circumstance and get us out of that feeling, especially in America, that feeling of self-entitlement and, you know, that pomp and that spoiled, rotten attitude that we tend to get. Ask the Lord to refine you like a fire so that you can be used effectively by him. But that's all for today. Starting tomorrow, we will be going through the book of Leviticus. And let me just tell you right now, a lot of people avoid this book because it is very tedious at times. So it's, there's no denying that. But uh, it is certainly important to understand the law. Why is this important? Because it says, especially in the book of Romans, the law is beneficial to us so that we know what sin is. And we need to have a clear understanding of what God's standards are as we go through the rest of this book. And then you'll see, oh, God is angry with them because of this. Or, oh, we know we need to be doing this because God said this. We need to have that proper understanding. So the book of Leviticus is going to be very important about that. So do not underestimate this book, okay? There are some parts that will be hard to understand or repetitive, no doubt. But it's all very good stuff. So bear with us as we go through Leviticus, okay? Until next time, I'm Ryan. Thank you for listening today, and we will see you tomorrow. Thank you, and God bless.